0: Now on the Innovation Show, we welcome Ben Ryan, CEO and founder of Ambionics. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you very much for having me. So some people will will know the story, your trials and tribulations, and your reaction to those trials and tribulations, but there's a saying that I love, and I came across it when I was about 18. I saw the movie Let End, which is a French movie, and it's, it starts off with this story of this guy who falls from the, I don't know, 50th floor from a building, and the narrator says le le which means the important thing is not the fall but the landing and when i read the story about you and soul and your wife I-, I thought of that straight away which is the reaction that you took to this challenge that you were given yeah. and your positive reaction to it has been fantastic could you tell our audience the story ben
1: yeah i will do firstly though i think my father would be uh, laughing here he did uh, something he's always a. Uh, Told me as I've been growing up is it you know not don't be scared of heights. It's not the height that kills you. It's the floor, which mm-hmm. ties in nice. nicely with what you've just said. Um, uh, but no, I, I definitely def- yeah. Um, I uh, I had to get to grips with the fact that my my son was going to lose his hand on the first day and um you you just immediately started looking at my own hands and thinking that all the things i do i've you know I mess around with vehicle mechanics stripping and assembling engines gardening i love technical projects building computers i used to be a boxer i played guitar and i just dwelled on all these things that were he was never going to do and um it was actually a nurse who came in to tell us an update on Saul's blood work because the hospital that transferred him hadn't um hadn't acknowledged that, or, or even suggested that it could have been caused by an injury. So we were, they were looking for underlying blood clotting disorders and stuff. So we were constantly asking for the blood work. And they came in and said, we don't have the blood work, um, but we know his blood type. It's, it's B positive. And I'm, you know, I'm not a religious man, but I took that as a sign. I clung onto it and uh, I'm going to be positive, I thought. So I'm only going to think about what I can do to help him. And you know, from that night in the hospital, in the shower, I was thinking, right, how am I going to teach him how to dry himself with one hand? And literally went into it from there. It just became this... I knew I was going to have to teach him things to do with one hand. So I was going to have to learn how to, for example, tie my shoelaces with one hand so I could show him and that kind of thing. And um, that's, that's, that approach has taken me to where I am today.
0: Yeah. And that, that, that adversity, that was the word I was looking for because we did Mm. a show last week on AQ. So it's this thing you might not have heard of it, Ben. It's it's AQ, this guy, Dr. Paul Stoltz has, has built a career on it. And he studied some of the most successful CEOs in the world. And they all score very, very highly in adversity quotient. So they've all had some adversity that they overcome, which teaches them and and changes their how their brain works. And already, man, you're you're showing you're showing signs of that already with with what your reaction to the adversity. And you just went, okay, I'm gonna feel sorry for myself. That's natural. Those kind of dealing yeah. with it straight up front. But then, mm-hmm. and 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 I think you know, it's it's a fatherly thing as well it's like okay well what can i do to fix this and and you went and you actually went for that hell for leather to fix this
1: yeah um i I, it it didn't strike me immediately i knew i knew i could do something um that wasn't being offered straight away i I don't know if you've seen about you know he's lost his he, he retained about an inch of bone below the elbow on the left arm um so not an awful lot and you know surgeons were telling us really to go straight through the elbow that there was going to be so little bone that could be saved below the elbow that we, you know, it would be cleaner, less hassle all round for Saul if we just took away that movement and, um, you know, we got the family together, looked at all the pros and cons and we decided that, no, we don't want to close any doors. Just because they're saying that he won't be able to operate a device with what he has doesn't mean that there won't be another device soon that can use it. Or, for example, I, I started reading that there were 3D printing bone and that they can elongate bones and all sorts of things. I thought, well, if we if we take that option away now, you've closed that door forever. So, by leaving it open, I, I started to explore possibilities and um, I've come up with several different things. A lot of a lot of interest being gathered around the hydraulic prosthetic for sort of eight to ten month olds. But the real groundbreaking stuff, I think, was the stuff I did for pennies, starting when he came home from hospital. And that's where I think the real innovation began, just looking at Sol um, and trying to equip him to deal with his environment, however, however basic that environment was. I mean, I, I started by um, – uh, he was lying on a, a little play mat that's got two sort of semi semicircular hoops over the top with toys suspended from it. And I realized his left arm was just sitting by his side doing nothing. So I started to lower this, you know, get some string and try and lower the toys on that side. And I realized I was, I was modifying the wrong thing. I should be making his arm longer. So I went into the kitchen, got a kitchen sponge, rolled it up, put some micropore tape around it to make a, an approximate size wrist. Using a bit of cotton wool and a bandage, a sports bandage, I just lightly tacked it onto his stump. And literally within seconds, he started moving it, um, smiling and giggling, and then started hitting his toys. So I thought, well, every time he's playing with his toys, I'll just pop this on it. Literally just slid over the stump and changed it out every three or four days. And um, I, I think that's been quite groundbreaking in terms of his ability to accept even a passive prosthetic from the NHS. He just put it straight on. Um, you know, the, the prosthetist said we'd be lucky to get him to wear it for 15 minutes a day, put it straight on, wear it, wears it all day long, falls asleep with it, you take it off and wake up in the morning he puts it on himself. So that's what I really want to focus on is, is getting any technology, the earliest stage you can to try and assist the use of movement and, and interaction and, you know, if you do that seamlessly from, in, in Sol's case, from five weeks, then they don't know any different. They, they, they've they only ever had a reach.
0: Yeah, man, this is awesome because, you, you know, you usually hear about it the other way from an amputee who's lost the arm, still thinks it's there. So mm. it's ghost limb. And mm. you, you've actually re- reverse engineered that. So in his brain, as his brain develops, he'll have yeah. this and he'll develop the movement. So when... And, and I agree with you, man, like this is only a matter of time and hopefully it's your company, Ambionics, yeah. that you started out of this, that develops this. Somebody's going to develop a solution because it always does come. And it's a case of leaving your options open. I love what you've done, man. It's, I, I actually, I didn't know you did that with the penny solution at the start. Yeah. get So, so out of that, you, you developed Ambionics, which is what you're doing now and what your sole focus is now.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, so that came around about this time last year. Um, Sol had had his first uh, NHS arm, which is like a, I think it's fibreglass, fibreglass varnished and uh, on the socket with a a silicon hand that's, I think it comes to about 350 quid in total. And most kids don't tend to wear them, they just sort of sit in the corner of the room. But Sol was wearing it, he was grabbing and reaching things. Um, And I wanted to try and keep whatever I came up with as similar to that as possible. And I knew that they wouldn't, that the NHS wouldn't offer myoelectrics uh, until he was three, possibly even four, depending on how good a signal they could get from the this, um, from the muscle under the skin. So I thought that's far too long. I knew with my psychology hat on that there, there are two periods of brain pruning uh, where the, the, the brain literally prunes away nerves that are not used very often to make itself more efficient. So it's literally destroying itself. And you start off with twice the number of neurons that you'll need as an adult um, in in childhood. So the first two and a half years is about plucking away literally half of your nerves in the brain Um, and much of learning to sit up, stand up, first words. These are as much about trimming away useless nerves as they are about reinforcing or uh, adding extra myelination uh, uh, to the, to the nerves, which are used. So I thought intervening at three years of age, when that that period of pruning finishes about two and a half just didn't make sense to me i thought I, ne- I needed to make sure that sol had mastered the use of a grasp by the time he's two and a half years old and um we're on track to do that now
0: that's brilliant man. because you're actually tying together so many elements we've talked about on this show over time like we've talked about we did a show on habits and the brain stores stores habits the reason yeah. being to actually save energy because all it wants to do is keep yeah. you alive and you're saying yeah. the same thing here because yeah. we we professor Susan Greenfield on a few weeks ago. She's a eminent brain professor from the UK, and she's saying the same thing. Like you, you like for example, by putting kids on tablets too long, their yeah. their brains develop differently. They don't develop yeah. emotional skills, et cetera. So you're tapping into all this stuff, man. And, and so this is stuff you did not know about yeah. two years yeah, ago.
1: If, yeah, no, no. Uh, well, I, I knew about the psychology. Um, I've always had a keen interest in developmental psychology. I think the changes that go on through the womb and for the first five years are the most interesting area of any kind of development in psychology, but also the neuroscience stuff. I, I, didn't, I was never interested in the you know, Freudian, uh, wishy-washy kind of uh, sort of made-up stuff. I was, I was always into the hard science side stuff. And um, we know that there's two real prominent periods of this brain pruning, and a lot is known about the second one, which is around puberty. So, you know, memories, thoughts, skills, things that you haven't really mastered by the time you hit puberty, you never will. That's well well understood. Um, in, in a few rare case studies where children have not learned any language, they never will if they hit puberty having not learned language. Um, But that goes for reasoning skills, gymnastics, sports, music, anything. The problem is, is that I approached the university to try and study this really poorly understood but rapidly explosive period of brain growth. And academics won't touch it. There's just not enough known about that area already for them to get a hook into. So it's really risky, even though to you and me, just at face validity, it makes perfect sense. You know this period of brain pruning is going on you know why not why not try and implement something sooner just you know what if yeah uh, but academically they won't touch it cuz very little is understood unfortunately you can't keep you know a 12 month old baby still in an mri machine they don't do do too well in interviews so not much has been studied about it but that was my rationale that the same thing with puberty if you if you don't learn a skill by the time you finish that pruning at the end of puberty, then you never will. And I figured that maybe that's why kids around about the t- age of two and a half to three just disregard prosthetics if function is left to l- too late, and I found a clear pattern. Um, so I started looking around, you know, uh, American sites, uh, European sites, looking at prosthetics and orthotics. And this cornerstone idea was the earlier you can get intervention, the better, and especially with function. So <clears throat> I looked at what was available. Okay, myoelectrics are the dominant approach, but they they're not particularly useful. Um, given the puppy fat the babies have and body powered hooks, which Sol's about to be fitted for are quite hideous looking things. They really look like they came out of a doctor who episode and they're not what you'd associate with a cute child. They're quite industrial looking, but yeah. very functional. I thought there's got to be a combination. So I've, I've come up with something that uses uh, fluid and it, it's only it's not for all amputees it's only for certain levels of amputation or for limb deficiency but where there is a you know the ability to provide body power then you can use that to displace fluid and control a basic grip and that's that's never been done before so that's really what ambionics is here to develop and, and try and get out to children as far and wide as possible
0: yeah and so just to to bring that home for people so you you didn't just focus on soul. You you went okay. Well, I'm going to take this pain away from everybody. This challenge, and you decided to just go and put. But I wanted to frame it in this, Ben. You mm-hmm. you you were a tinkerer. You weren't an inventor, but you you like to toy around with stuff. And then, so I just think this is marvelous, man. Like because you're, I'm talking to you. You're in your man cave right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you've turned that man cave into your office like some of the best yeah. companies in the world have started that way
1: i had the idea um you've probably heard it bandied around that i got the idea from a spider so i was up about four in the morning thinking how could i come up with another system that didn't use electronic sensors not, not my sensors so i thought maybe like a micro switch in a spongy piece of rubber that you could you know to activate a switch with the stump um and i start thinking who could i talk to about robotics and then i just did just see the spider i remembered that they use fluid and i thought that's a brilliant idea. He, he can certainly squish two bags of fluid or actuators inside the stop socket using the small piece of movable stuff that he'd got. So that was it. That was like a eureka moment. And I was a man possessed. I scrounged all the little spare parts that I had from printers and plumbing fittings and stuff from when I'd installed my kitchen, anything that would could be used um, and started building small double acting hydraulic cylinders. I don't know if you've seen the videos on my Facebook page and on YouTube, it's basically like a, an inch long, cylinder with two inputs and you can make a piston slide back and forth with a little o ring to stop the fluid coming out. Um, I got a reasonably good enough design using just a, a press drill at home in this in this in this uh, man cave. And you know, the, the hardest thing was getting that dead centered. Once I did, I found a screwdriver handle that was made of chrome that became the piston rod, a couple of washers inside, they, they became the piston itself. And some marigold glove fingers, which became the actuators got the system working when I realized that just with my little fingers, I could squish those and it actually produced meaningful torque at the other end, a usable grip, I thought, right, this is really simple. Now we just need to put this in something similar to his NHS prosthetic. And, um, you know, I took the idea to Banga University and they, they helped me by scanning the arm, producing a, a 3D mesh of it, which I then imported into um, Autodesk's Fusion 360 software and started chopping it up. And um, to be honest with you, I've, it's, it was really, really difficult and really tricky to learn, but it's, the way I look at it is it's... it's as I say, it's a kind of therapy for me. When I when I know I'm making progress, I'm feeling better about you know that black period of time at the beginning that we were talking about earlier. So it's I don't know. I I've, I'm I'm so busy. I'm working maybe twelve hours a day, maybe longer. But I've never been so happy doing something in my life.
0: Yeah, man. It's like. It's way more than working for yourself. It's working with yeah. a mis- uh, with a mission to you know to make yeah. the world a better place. You know, it's but it
1: because be, I haven't been paid for a year, so I've just done it completely for free and uh, bagged, borrowed, and stolen money to get uh, to get my mortgage payments in. So I've been really really lucky with my parents um, being able to help me out with at least the mortgage. Um, but Christ, over the last year, I've done patio jobs, gardening, um, shelf stacking, anything to just keep the paying the bills, but allow me to keep on this prototyping. And everyone else thought I was losing it. And quite locally, I think people thought I'd become a bit of a hermit and gone crazy until they saw me all over the TV and then they realized what it was I was doing.
0: Yeah. And because, like, let's move to that now, man. Because, you know, I've seen you've got so much coverage, but what doesn't add up for me is that you're looking for 40 grand sterling on Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Uh, under Ambionics. So if anybody types in Ben Ryan or Ambionics, you'll find you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's only at seventeen K. Like, and I'm gonna go and what the is happening here?
1: It's uh, it's been a well, first of all, the perception is I think that we're successful, that we're up and running, we're well funded, you know, we're working with Autodesk, Stratasys are behind us, the NHS have endorsed their approach. Uh we look like a really successful outfit and it when you think that something's successful and lots of other people are looking at it as well so you know when it's on tv that millions are looking at it this thing called bystander behavior kicks in bystander apathy oh, where nice. if, if bystander apathy is for example i think if um if, you, if if you're at a busy place and there's lots of other people around and a little old lady falls over you're a lot less likely to help than if it's only you around
0: oh wow so i
1: think yeah so it's well known psychology so i think people think we're successful we don't need their help someone's going to come and pick this up you know there's yeah. a lot of people looking at this it's going to go but at the moment i like i say I'm, I've, I've missed two mortgage payments i'm flying by the skin of my pants but the, re, the the reception that we've had to the campaign means that we no longer needed that originally it was 150 grand that's come down to 40 just from engineers patent attorneys um parents coming forward as well offering to take part in clinical trials for free it's just been amazing um but it's yes yeah, it's one of these balls that's up in the air has got to land soon we need to you know, we've got a, a patent deadline to, to make sure that we can um, patent and, and specify as many countries around the world as we can to produce in.
0: Yeah.
1: We've got to get the prototype and the power-assisted version um, created by uh, mid-October.
0: Yeah, man, I ju- I, that was the sound of me just sending an email to somebody I know in the States, and I'm going to go, can you help with this? And, yeah. and you know what? I, I'd ask uh, the audience of The Innovation Show, if you know somebody, I mean, regardless of making your own donation, if you know somebody who can help, drop but us th- an email. Drop Ben an okay. email. Get on. You're on Twitter. You're on yeah. LinkedIn. You're on Indiegogo, You know you're reachable, man. You know, um, I'd love I'd love some help to come from the little bit of coverage we can give you with the Innovation Show because I lo- I love your attitude, man. You know, it's something that that very few people would deal with positively, and and you're you're a role model for a mindset, man. So congratulations for that, and it will Thank happen, you, man. man. No doubt this is going to happen for you, and this will all be looking back and going, my AQ my AQ <laughs> is massive as a result of this. Um, ben, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. And we wish you the very best of luck. Ben, Ryan, CEO and founder of Ambionics. Uh, ben, l- give us a quick, you'll know off by heart, the, all the places that people can find you. Uh,
1: yeah, you can find us on Facebook and at uh, Ambionics UK, on Instagram at Ambionic_boy, on um, Twitter, um, and you can look at the website as well, www.ambionics.co.uk.
0: Nice one, Ben. Well, listen, pleasure to talk to you, man. Aiden, brilliant. Thank you. Keep in touch. Take care, man.